When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm tonight's host, Redcast Rob, and I'm with Honky. Thompson, Purdy, Palmer, Grant, Whipple, Joseph Bush, Applewhite, Rayola, in-state recruiting, winning the offseason. We are back. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. And we have our special guest and winner of our bowl championship contest, Richard Fitzwell. Evening, Redcast Rob. Evening, Honky. Thanks for having me. Well, that was Welcome. the hottest take I think I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to I, I didn't want to come in like Kobe Webster and just start throwing flamethrower shots towards you guys on my first show. So I just thought I'd tone it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. That's great. Well, yeah. So uh, you were our official. Um, what was it like a Capital One Bowl Series thing? I didn't join. Um, I did a whole nother one where I actually paid to lose. Um, this one was free, but uh, the prize for it was to um, have the winner come on to the show and be our guest. And quite frankly, um, I'm feel blessed to to have you on here. You know, um, if people. Uh, don't know Richard Fitzwell is one of uh, Nebraska's football is probably one of the best uh, Twitter follows that you're going to get out there. Super funny guy. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you won that contest, the way you picked your teams, you know, maybe tell us a little about yourself, why you like the Redcast. I uh, ended up missing the first two games. So I didn't submit until I think Friday evening. So it was stacked up on the points. It was okay. Um, and just went through and tried to balance the, the cancellations and pick some teams that I thought might do okay. And then you had people transferring a game a day before the bowl game and all this other stuff. And what ended up actually allowing me to win it was I, I switched my pick to K-State when I can't even remember who they were playing, but that team was down a bunch of guys. Was it LSU, I think? So yeah, they were down there. Right. They they had they didn't have a quarterback. They were down, you know, their receiver was playing quarterback. So I had quite a few points on K-State and that separated me with the with that win. So I it was it was a lot of fun. And um I actually went back and was looking and I, I think now probably early 2000, maybe mid 2019, I, I caught wind of of the podcast and and started listening and and made it kind of a weekly. Uh, listen and then started interacting a little bit more on Twitter and probably like a lot like a lot of us we have I'd say a niche of you know a niche of or a lane of people you interact with a lot and you guys were you know back and forth and with other people and just kind of created a, a good environment to blow off steam have some fun talk huskers you know music all sorts of stuff so it's been it's been a lot of fun well, cool, yeah, and I, I will say that the one thing that stands out the most to me about everything you just said is you started listening in 2019, and even after I joined the show, you continue to listen. So thank you. That says that. a lot. So it does. It, it really does. 
I, I really, I really do appreciate that. So let's go ahead and kind of, um, you're going to, you're going to join us in our discussion tonight, you know, which is our favorite subject that there is. And that's Husker football. Um, you know, I think we'll avoid Husker basketball because I think even Husker basketball is avoiding Husker basketball right now. Um, and honky, as you said, in your hot take, uh, we got a lot going on with recruiting and coaching. So why don't you just go ahead and give us an update with everything as far as the recruiting front goes? Yeah, a little roster management here since last week's show. And uh, as you may have heard, we have another quarterback now, not just Thompson, but uh, we did get Chubba Purdy from Florida State. We got a running back. Well, we, we technically got two running backs. Um, one we're not exactly sure what's going on with, but we did get New Mexico Military Institute running back Anthony Grant, who's basically the top JUCO running back. He's here on campus now. And then uh, we also got DeAndre Jackson, but then we're not exactly sure he's not going to be here until the end of the, the season, at the end of the semester. He has to go back to AM. He has to get some academics in order. And so there's not a you know 100% chance that he's going to be here or not. We don't know yet, but uh, he's planning to enroll in May at least, um, which is kind of funny. Rob, your, uh, your text, the second that we found out that he wasn't coming here, because there was con- some confusion um, on social media if he was going to be here or not. And you sent out a thing, uh, what are your top five favorite DeAndre Jackson moments? And I, I had a, I chuckled at that because that was, that was funny, Rob. I'll give you that. And uh, we also hit the JUCO ranks, Garden City Community College, to get uh, defensive back Javier Morton. He's committed to Nebraska. He originally committed to Alabama out of high school, and he'll be in Lincoln this week too. That's a theme you're going to hear along the, the lines of all of these guys. They're all here now. They're here this semester, which just started uh, this week. So they'll be you know here for spring ball and everything, and, and I think that's really important. And on the, the leaving front, uh, Will Honus, who is going into his seventh year, he is going to be leaving Nebraska. He went into the portal. It was a little bit of a surprise, although um, I'm not sure, you know, with the numbers, they need to get down to 88 for the roster by uh, the February signing date. So that's something that, you know, is kind of pushing, I think, a lot of moves, to be quite honest. Um, so it's it stinks to see Honus leave. At the same token, I get it, and I understand why. And uh, But right now, you can tell that there's been a lot of emphasis with these new coaches. They wanted to, they had specific positions they were going after defensive back, quarterback, running back. They wanted to get some guys in here. They got them and those guys are here and they're going to be playing. Yeah. And I think we even got ourselves a new running backs coach too. I think we had kind of talked about that a little bit on our last show. Wasn't the guy that we thought we were going to get in um, Peter. I think, is that how you say it? Petrie, whoever the Petrie, yeah, Petrie, Peter. Um, you know, and we talked about it and, and that's who we thought it was going to be with our inside source who we, we will not name our inside. Well, there's no here. need to, we, we were going to yes. name it if it was right. And we weren't right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but we weren't right. what I will say is I think that they obviously waited as long as they did to hire the running backs coach so that they could talk to some of the NFL coaches. And it sounds like they did talk to Petrie and it, it, maybe even the, another coach as well. But at the end, you know, when they went through, all, they got to talk to all the people they wanted to Applewhite. Uh, he checks all the boxes we wanted. He, you know, he's someone that's an expert at coaching that position. He's been at a P5 school now with TCU. And, uh, you know, I think he'll be a, a great addition to the staff too. Uh, I guess I am curious here with, with Richard with us, you know, what is your take right now? And what's your thoughts on the changes from a roster and from a coaching staff standpoint that you've kind of seen happen now over the course of the last month or two? I think on the coaching side, and i you guys mentioned it on last week's episode or podcast. You talked about just the experience level 
coming up. And that's something that I, I, I went back through and I looked at. I mean, Whipple has 40 plus years coaching Apple White, you know, and he said it today on Husker Sports Nightly that, you know, he, once he got out of high or once he got out of college, he went straight into coaching. So he's been doing this for 30, almost 30 years. And I, I think just the experience level, you know, and then Joseph and, and obviously Rayola is the newest and the greenest of them. But just having that experience, I, in my opinion, it gives you a lot more contacts, gives you a lot more connections. Um, I think the evaluations are going to be based on pure kind of football and, and what fits in what they want to do. And if they, they're going to work to get a guy that fits into what they want to do, because they, I think they're going to have more, more options in that regard too, because that their name recognition alone brings, Hey, I, I want to talk to you. Oh, okay. Whipple. I know who you are. And Mickey Joseph, I know what you, who you are. I mean, we saw that with Casey Thompson, not to, not to jump ahead on anything, but you just, those relationships have already been built. So, and then when you, you bring into the fact that we knew that, the high school kids were going to be a small number of recruits, but there's 17 and you went through a lot of them, but there's 17 new kids that are going to be on campus this spring mm -hmm. in school this week. So, you know, you, you, you drop that down and, you know, you're the engineer with the math, but you know, what are we talking about? Maybe 20% of the roster, 20, almost 25% of the roster of scholarship guys going to be brand new. So it, mm -hmm. it just, I think it shakes things up. It puts, it puts everybody on notice and saying, Hey, you know, we've got, we've got older guys. We've got transfers coming in from Juco. We've got Juco All-Americans. Whoever's doing the best is going to play. And I think with the new voices on the staff, that gives, it makes me feel like that's actually going to come through and we might see a, a really, really different product. Yeah. Well, to your point there, uh, who's on campus this semester for the, the new recruits and the transfers? At quarterback, it's Torres, who's the, the high school recruit. It's Purdy, it's Thompson, the two transfers. At running back, it's Grant, the JUCO. At wide receiver, it's Palmer, the uh, LSU transfer. It's Garcia Castaneda, the New Mexico State transfer. It's Victor Jones, the, the high school recruit from Florida. At offensive line, it's Jenkins. It's Kevin Williams, the transfer from your neck of the woods, Rob, in northern Colorado. And Hunter Anthony, the transfer from Oklahoma State. At linebacker, it's Hausman from my neck of the woods in Columbus. At defensive back, it's Singleton. It's Gold. It's Tommy Hill. It's Morton now. At special teams, it's it's Bleak Road, the the place kicker from Furman, is it? And then Bushini, the FCS punter of the year from Montana. So I mean, it there isn't almost isn't a single position group that isn't affected in some mm -hmm. way that we're going to see in spring ball. I mean, the, I'll tell you right now, if your name wasn't on that list right there, and if you're not a returning player that's already planning to be here, if you're not going through the off season, I'm going to say the same thing now that I said 12 months ago it's not, it's not that you're dead to me. I don't mean, I don't mean it this way, but it's like, I just don't consider those guys to be a player for us. If you're not going to go through this off season, I'm not going to put any stake into guys that we haven't seen perform in spring ball and everything. So you better be on that list. And that's what, that's how important it is for those guys to get here. And I mean, any one of these guys could be starters. I just mentioned. Yeah. And one of the guys that the perfect example of that would be Omar Manning. I remember in 2020, mm -hmm. I was super hyped on him to be coming to the team. I watched so many highlight reels for him. I man yep. crush. It's well known. It's a red cast fact. Rob Steinberg loves Omar Manning. That is me, but he wasn't on campus for the spring game. He wasn't on campus till late in the summer. And yep. what did we see? He got almost no to none, zero playing time. And, you know, finally made it onto the field last season. So I, I agree, Honky. I think that and after coming to the spring game last year and seeing the guys that were playing and the way things kind of played out with all of that, 
it is super important to be there and be on this team. And especially now with all of these new coaches that, that we're dealing with, because these guys are going to be learning regardless of whether or not we're talking about frost system. It's not frost systems anymore. It's frost with Whipple. And yep. there's going to be an entirely new system, an entirely new playbook that all of these guys are going to have to learn. And it's not easy to do. I mean, you can figure with all these guys, they've got their class loads, they've got everything else going on. So mm -hmm. football, football is going to be a part of their life it's not just going to be their entire life because they've got everything else going on and i've got some great things to talk about that too with an interview that casey thompson did um with sean callahan the other day and you know one of the things that he talked about was he's on campus right now he's really excited to be a husker but one of the main points that he made during that interview was you know like i don't know man I, i'm getting settled in i just moved in all I've been doing so far is getting my class schedule settled. I've been talking with my advisors and my counselors. You know, I'm working towards my NBA right now. I'm trying to decide which program I want to go into. So you think about that. And when these guys come on campus, that's the first thing they're doing. You know, sure, they have access to all the football facilities. They have access to everything else. But they really are students first. I mean, hence the student athlete thing. You know, so that that's one of the biggest things that we need to see. And, and I'm 100 percent agreeing with you, Honky, is that, you know, being on campus now is so much of a bigger deal, especially with the transfers and the new coaches and everything. And what we're going to see next year, like you said, if you're not on the team or not there right now, you're dead to me. Oh, wait, you didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say exactly like that. No, I think that's a great point, Rob. And, you know, the same thing could be said, said for the running back spot. You know, we have Grant now here, and he's a top Juco running back, but he's here now. And I compare that to Mills, who I, I loved when we had Mills. I thought he was a great player for us. But again, similar to the Omar Manning case, we kind of counted on somebody to be the guy, and that guy isn't even getting here until June or July. We just, as fans, I'm, I'm, and I'm pointing this at myself. I'm not pointing at anyone else. I'm talking to myself. We need to stop doing that. We need to stop putting it all on that guy who hasn't even been here for a spring practice and that's what that's what's nice about having Grant here right now. It's what's nice about all these quarterbacks. Uh, if Thompson wasn't here, everything you just said about him, if he wasn't here until May, I just don't see him being the player, right? But he is here now, and you start building those relationships. And and you know, Richard, you had a chance. You watched some of that video then too with Thompson. I mean, what were your thoughts on him? When I I started my morning with a, a couple of responses to that, and for me, just his his knowledge of the, of the process and not just Nebraska, that that is kind of second with his dad and those connections, but the business-like approach that he took to it, calling, I mean, the fact that he called Adrian Martinez and that, that story of, you know, he knows somebody, he got, he got a phone number. There's enough respect there that, you know, Adrian had gone, was going through the same thing and, you know, all these stories get out and 10% of it's true, but he talked to him and he also, you know, talked to other recruits and he talked to kids that were just students here and he got a feel for it. But he he flat out said, I'm there as a way to help myself, but that can only happen if I help the team. And so that that maturity, that understanding, you know, if the if the football part of it matches what he how he talked and, and what he said and how prepared he came off in that interview you know sky's sky's the limit but connecting it to what you were talking about being on campus right now coming in and even purdy has this opportunity but what I, what i have read and, and and heard about whipple is he's going to tailor 
his system. He's going to find ways to get playmakers. He's going to find things that those guys do really well. And having these extra, you know, five months, four and a half months with Thompson on campus, I think really does give him an edge up to where I, I think we can be realistic and say right now, I think that starting spots his to lose, you know, having been on campus for two days, he has that opportunity and Whipple, I believe probably is going to give him every opportunity. Yeah. And that was one of the things that really stood out to me during that interview was, was the fact that he was, he had said that, you know, one of the guys that he's been following a lot was Pickens, right. And right now Pickens, um, you know, Heisman trophy candidate, uh, was in Whipple's offense all year last year, big time throwing quarterback. All right. And, and he had talked about that and how much he had seen him throwing, but he said that he didn't even know who Whipple was until he heard he, that he got hired over at Nebraska. And then he kind of started paying attention to that because he knew that he was Pickens coach. Um, you know, and right now, I'll just put this out there. I've been looking at a lot of NFL projected uh, drafts. And right now I would say about 60 to 70% of them have Pickens as the first quarterback to go in the draft. He's not going to be the over number one overall pick or anything like that. Some, some see him dropping as low as to Denver. I think at like seven, other people have him going to the New York giants at like six, but either way, they have him as the number one quarterback prospect in the draft as of now, but that's something that attracted him to him. Um, he also brought up the wide receiver core that we have and the wide receiver coach that we have. And I think all of this is starting to see a theme where we're tying it in, where a lot of these hires, a lot of these guys that they have coming in with their experience and the way and the people that they're going to be coaching or have coached, is really starting to attract some of these guys like Casey Thompson, who are very sought after recruits and guys in the transfer portal to come over to Nebraska. Looking back at those, you know, seeing the NFL draft picks, seeing pickets kind of rise and, you know, Thompson hasn't been with them, but he he's experienced. He's 23 years old. So he has, he has different levels of experience, but even when Whipple was coaching at UMass um, there's a quarterback who played there, who's now on the Arizona Cardinal staff, but he was, throwing to Andy Isabella, who was a, not a high draft pick, but came in and was, was, you know, had his role and, and did some good things. But what they talked about was in one year, they found as many ways and opportunities to get him the ball because he was a playmaker. Another year, it was a tight end that they had. And so when you mm -hmm. hear these things and you look and say, okay, it's almost like this system for a year is going to be built with around concepts, but then how can we tailor it to the guys that we have and just thinking about, and, and Thompson said this too, he talked about the playmakers like you do Manning and Betts, and he did name off a couple guys that are on campus. He named a couple guys that are just coming, getting to campus, but he also talked about the tight end room, just thinking about mm -hmm. somebody throwing to those tight ends and what Whipple can do to, to scheme them open, to get them open, the routes, you know, things like that. It just, it gets you, it does really get you excited, which, you know, goes to the point is why we continuously win the off season. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned it, Richard. You said that Whipple finds the playmakers, and then you couple that with Thompson talking about who the playmakers were, specifically bringing up Omar and Betts. And, I mean, that means you're on the same page, right? Rob and I probably come from different aspects of the offensive side of the world. Rob would love us to throw it, and I would love us to run it every play, right? And we each got to take something away from that uh, interview with Thompson that we'd like. Uh, there was a question about have you run option. And Thompson's like, yeah, I ran option all the way up until 12 or 13. That's all I ran until I got to that age. 
And of course, his dad, we all as Husker fans and, you know, of a certain age that would remember playing Oklahoma in the 80s, we all remember his father playing against us. But um, he's run some option, right? And he talked about how Frost and the Frost option that we were running in the last few years, what they've done dating all the way back to Oregon, that offense has been something that excited him. But he also liked the throwing part, bringing up how many, the number of passes that they threw at Pittsburgh last year, you know, 60 some in a game. And I think the least amount they threw in a game was 27 or 28. So he's a quarterback. He wants to throw the ball too. And it just, it leads this, this kind of this excitement, but also just what is our offense going to look like? What is it going to look like when you bring the, the, the minds together, bring the best things of what Frost's offense has done the last few years, inc- including the triple option, including everything that we did last year. And then you incorporate the best of what Whipple does. And anybody that's looked at some of the film, I mean, they do eye formation at times. They've gotten into two backs. You know, for all these running backs that we're going to talk about, Grant and Jackson and Johnson, Ramir and Yant and Step and Irvin and all that. I mean, I don't, I couldn't begin to tell you what a depth chart looks like, but I, I, it's as hard to keep those guys happy if we just constantly keep lining up in one back all the time. So the, the concept that we, we could have some two back, we could run the ball, but we're also going to throw it, right? You know, if you want to throw the ball, you must whipple or whatever the heck that song is that you got in my head, Rob, all that can be a part of this. And, and, and by the way, throw in Joseph and what all the experience, he's the pass game coordinator, by the way, and all the experience that he brings from LSU and, and everywhere else that he's been into it. It's just, I'm intrigued to see what this offense looks like. Well, is there anybody who uh, Thompson's dad isn't friends with? Because he was friends with Mickey Joseph too. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he he said that, and and it was, and again, I just I can't emphasize enough uh, in this show apparently about how much the coaching staff itself and 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 Richard, you you even mentioned it too that the, these guys you're bringing them in, they know everybody, they have all the connections, they they've been doing this for years. A lot of them, they've never done anything else but the coordinator position that they're coming here doing like Whipple's only been an OC I think in most of his career for majority of his career Joseph's a wide receiver coach he made a uh you know a lateral move like to be our wide receiver coach so you know to me it just says that these guys are going to put something special together um that's me drinking the Kool-Aid right there but it's like I'm picturing all this stuff going on in my head with our wide receivers trying to see some of these guys getting open we haven't even mentioned like Fedone like you know, like he's, who knows what that kid's going to do, but if you follow him on Twitter, he is fired up for this year. Like he, <laughs> you know, as far as I know that that guy's going to be like the next Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's going to be, it's yeah. going to be amazing. He's going to light yeah. it up, right? There's no shortage of names at positions. I mean, skill players, there's guys, there's plenty of names to say out there that we've got some talent. So what, why isn't this just hype right now? Why aren't we, you know, we just Kool-Aid drinking. Haven't we heard this? They, they switched offensive coordinators two years ago and brought in Lubick who had experience, you know, at Washington. He's my neighbor again now. He's probably your neighbor again now, you know, selling bonds or whatever for car insurance or something. But so why isn't this just the same thing? Right. And, you know, for me, it's a definitely a different feeling. It's a different feeling of, it starts with Whipple. We brought in a 40 year vet that this guy brings with him a system. This guy brings with him a quarterback. This guy brings with him a lot. I mean, he just had a Heisman trophy finalist that he coached a month ago. Right. So he, he already brings a lot with him. And then to bring back Joseph, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Joseph's recruiting chops look like. And there was a great thing that was on Sharp and Benning that we can talk about here in a, a little bit about, you know, getting some of the in-state 
recruiting going strong uh, under uh, uh, Joseph again, or just, you know, just adding more life to it. But this staff, it just has a different feel. And, and I think it leads all the way to the top. Trev, I think he gave Frost the leeway to do what Frost needed to do. But absolutely, do I think that Trev is, is, is actively involved with this? You're darn right I do. And I think that's one of the best things that we've got going for us right now is it seems like we've got guys on the same page talented guys on the same page that care deeply about this program and uh we got to get this thing right joseph is like the ginsu knife of the nebraska staff you know he chops he cuts he slices he dices it's like (laughs) he recruits he coaches he's best friends with your dad's sister's cousin's third aunt you know i mean the guy like knows everybody he does everything for this team anytime any of these new recruits are coming in it doesn't matter what position they are it's like somehow joseph gets name dropped he's he it's like all these guys like turn into red cast rob all of a sudden and they just start dropping (laughs) just name name everywhere they go like (laughs) dropping names (laughs) which it's just how can you not get excited that's one of the things i've noticed about this coaching staff compared to the last time that we started hiring a bunch of new guys is that you go on social media you kind of hear the chatter around um you know all the circles the message boards everything you don't see a lot of people complaining about these hires that's one thing that I've noticed. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that hasn't been the problem. I think the number one thing that you see that's negative anymore is show me the wins, right? That's it, right? And like I said, if we're not if we're not 12 and 0 this year, I'm quitting the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but I still think that we should start 5 and 1, 6 and 1, 6 and 0, 7 and 0. Um, you know, I think that this is if we're going to beat Oklahoma, this is the year we're going to do it. We're going to beat Iowa, obviously. I will still stick to that. This is going to be it. We should have beat him last year. Now we have a special teams coordinator and Mr. Bush. So I think we're going to be much improved in that area. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm hyped. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I think, to answer <laughs> your question, Honky. Well, I think if you go back to, what, four years ago when the, when the staff first came in with Frost, it was his guys, his guys, his guys. And even Verdusco would say, I know what Coach Frost wants. And held say, I know what Frost wants. Well, now we've got a, there's a different perspective. It's not, you know, Whipple knows what he wants. And Bush is out recruiting quarterbacks because he's pulled in with quarterbacks. We know of a, a fairly famous quarterback. He got to go to LSU. I don't want to even bring that up. <laughs> Please don't, because so, he just beat my Raiders in the playoffs this weekend. So, so <laughs> but you know, you know that he's got, abilities to identify talent to mm-hmm. you know say the right things and that can you know that can open up later on but just I was thinking about this today too going back to Riley's staff all those a lot of those coaches and the same thing I, I you know not for Dusko and there's a couple pieces here and there but a lot of those guys were really getting their first chance to be the guy at a division one program the caliber of Huskers and now that script has been completely flipped on its head where, you know, right now Rude is the probably the greenest coach that we have. And, you know, Fisher, Fisher has his ways. He's a name. Kids know him. They want to play for him, you know, and that goes down through the list right now. So I think, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid is, is more than welcome and warranted right now. And until they, you know, until we were proven wrong again, I'm, I'm going to continue to believe and, and, and be positive about it. Yeah, and drinking the Kool-Aid right now, it's a little refreshing because two months ago, there was no Kool-Aid. At the end of October, when those firings were happening, there was no Kool-Aid going on. And and there shouldn't be, obviously, but 
it didn't seem like Kool-Aid could even be made at that point. Like it just, like, uh, I mean, I, I was in as deep of a funk as you could get because are we firing frost Are we starting over again? Oh gosh. You know, like where are we at? And in my mind it was, we're not that far off. I mean, we really aren't right. Nine single digit games and eight, you know, one score losses and all the, you've heard it all. Right. And in fact, there's another thing I saw today. Um, Matt Brown posted a thing that said teams that won no more than 25% of their games, despite having a positive point differential in the poll era. There's been four 2021 Nebraska had the, we were plus 5.2 uh, average, and uh, that's the most. Uh, then in 2015, for some reason, two teams, Georgia Tech and Boston College, both. Georgia Tech was a point three and a half, uh, and then Boston College was plus point, uh, 1.9. So they won no more than 25% of their games, but they had a positive point differential. And the other team was 1938 Arkansas at plus 0.03. And so the, the whole thing behind that is we, we know all that, right? We know how historically weird last year was and we got to the end of October and I'm like we're not far off but man are we going to blow this thing up because I feel like we just need to fix a few things but we got to fix them we legitimately they are legitimate issues and they got to get fixed and everything that's happened since the end of October I'm just tickled pinker than I can possibly be it's not just the coaches. It's the players that they've immediately brought in. And when and I said it back in December, you can go back to our show then when I go, I think we're going to get two guys in the trench for portal quarterback. When, when people are freaking out that we're not getting every single quarterback, I'm like, I think these guys are going to get them. I think they're going to get two. And we got them. I can't, I mean, it's not that I can't believe, I can't believe it. Believe I'm just, I'm just that impressed that they did it right. We needed to fix special teams, right? I mean, how many countless games did special teams hurt us in? We had 46 points. I think I counted up of points that were scored against us, not against our defense last year. And most of them were against special teams and the amount of errors that we had kickoff returns, punt returns, punt blocks, you name it. Right. And to bring in Bill Bush, to be that special teams coordinator, and he's demonstrated success at that position in this school already. I'm ecstatic. I was ecstatic when we got Bush a year ago, even on as a as an analyst. And I, at the time, I was like, my God, it, it, you know, if we're just bringing him in as an analyst just to promote him into a, a coaching position, any position a year from now, I would be ecstatic. Well, that's exactly how it happened. Um, so it feels like they fixed the issues. And probably one of my bigger concerns going into next year Losing anytime you lose a quarterback, and and when you lose someone like Martinez, who's been playing here almost exclusively for four years, it's hard to imagine. Well, how can you be so good the next year if you've just lost a four year starter? Well, the transfer portal changes things a little bit. In the past, you're not going to bring in another 23 year old who has starting experience at Texas, who's put up five touchdowns against Oklahoma, who put up seven touchdowns in a losing effort of all things against Kansas. I mean, when I look at Casey Thompson and I see that video he did with with Sean Callahan off the field, he's like Adrian 2.0 to me. I mean, the, the, the composure, the confidence, the class, this isn't too big for him either. I've said that about Whipple. I didn't want an offensive coordinator that this is too big for it's this job's not too big for Whipple. I don't think the job's too big for Thompson either. And that's a good place to start from now. Let the competition compete with Purdy and Torres and Heinrich and, and Smothers and, and the bunch. Well, one of the things that I heard too about Joseph that um, it was actually brought up during during the Raider Bengals playoff game with with Joe Burrow was how before the season started when Joseph was there working with the wide receivers because Chase right Chase oh, sure. Bengals was a was an LSU wide receiver so that's the connection with Joseph right there where they brought mm-hmm. it up 
Chase was saying that, that Joseph made him catch 2,000 passes in the offseason with Joe Burrow before they even started like practicing in the spring game, right? Like they made them like pl- get planned to get together and go out and catch 2,000 passes. Now, if that's happening behind the scenes right now, you know, with Thompson and the wide receivers, because he's been, Thompson said in his interview that he's been communicating with those guys already. I think Honky said something that he was like going to be taking out the offensive line to dinner here pretty soon or something. And if he's not offensive line guys, you can thank us for that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, if that's the sort of thing that's going on in the background that, that like you don't see, because those are the things that like, those aren't like open practices. Those aren't, but these are things of these guys getting together, just going around and, playing being kids passing the ball around right but if they're out there running routes and throwing the ball to each other two thousand times before they even go out to spring practice that's going to make a difference and hopefully that's the same work ethic that joseph brings with him from lsu to nebraska i'm going to bring up something again with trev and he was in a journal star article that he just there's some quotes that he said and i just there's such a calming feeling i have with him being back in the fold with nebraska So Albert said, he goes, I'm just really pleased with Scott and the people he's brought in. These are people who are going to challenge our way of thinking. And that's what we need. We've done the same thing for four years and didn't get results. You've got some new coaches who've been around, who've had some strong opinions, and they're not afraid to communicate them. I think that's going to be helpful. We're going to evaluate and dive into every single thing that touches our football program. We're going to ask ourselves a simple question. Is that elite? I think we owe it to ourselves. It's that important. We ought to be doing it every year. Fellas, is that elite? If you're not doing something that's elite, why in the hell are you doing it? If you're bringing in a player who's not going to be elite, if you're bringing in questionable players from academic standpoint, if someone you know, isn't going to make the grades, all those, everything, is it elite? Trev, in that experience that he brings with Osborne back in the day, when, when Nebraska was elite, I always wanted us to bring back a 90s kind of model. And I know that would get joked about with some of my buddies and stuff. Oh, you know, that was back then. No, there's a model that can work in Nebraska. And being elite is one of them. Everything you do from nutrition to strength and conditioning, the teamwork side of things, everything. We're not going to go out and recruit five stars over Alabama. We won't. We never will. And we never did. But you can be elite at all the other things. And when you hear the examples, the times where we haven't been elite at things that are really important, for instance, Rob, how about that Sharp and Benning talk on Monday morning about Nebraska recruiting in-state? And Benning talked about how a previous coaching staff, one of the, the assistants, didn't even know what our classes were in, in the state of Nebraska, didn't know that this team in Class A doesn't play this team in Class B or Class C. That's in-state recruiting. That's, that's one of the tenets of what I would say is important to Nebraska football. I've said it since the day one of the, of the Redcast, and they don't know that. And I'm, I'm not even knocking that coach, right? I'm just saying that's not elite. That is far from elite. And that's in-state coaching. You would hear examples of where guys weren't working out as hard, right? Well, that's not elite in strength and conditioning. Guys that aren't on the meal plan, that's not elite in nutrition. Now, the, some of these things were the things that predated uh, Frost. He's had to fix a lot of things. We think he's fixed a lot of things, but there were still other issues. And we just, everything's got to be about elite. I just love that quote from Trev. You're right. I think what we need to do, and and maybe we can get some of our listeners approvals on this, but I think we just need to start, like we need to make red cash shirt and then shirt and on the back, just say, is that elite? Is that elite? 
is that going to be like our new marketing slogan? It could is be. that elite? Richard, I, I would like you it. buy? Would you buy that shirt, Richard? Um, I, I'd consider it. I would, I would, I would wear one if it was, if it was gifted to me, that's for sure. But I mean, something that just popped into my head though, you were talking about, and I know the whole thing that's we're of the, we're of the era that we can talk fondly about the nineties. We were living, we were breathing it. We were watching the games in the stadiums, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, traveling, doing all those things. But I, think I was the, on my first wife back then, but yeah, yeah. You are not elite. Rob, I was not, <laughs> and that's just I, I rude. Have you, I have to tell you, you that you I had to actually Richard off. Myself. You cut our guest off. That is not being elite podcasting, right there. That is not right being elite. <laughs> Continue, Please. Richard. Thank you. Please don't bob at me again. Now, <laughs> the idea that success—you know—that the administration of things, the discipline of things, things like that—and it just kind of popped into my head that the idea that success doesn't have an expiration date. So, mm. if it worked in the '90s. I'm not talking about the play calling. I'm not talking about, you know, yes, would I love the roll callers and the, the tearaway jerseys and the mesh and stuff like that? Of course, I think it'd be iconic, but just doing things the right way, creating the environment, the system, the accountability within that system on everyone is what's going to make that elite. But if Trev from the top down is, he has that expectation this high that's where you've got to go. And, you know, you don't want to, well, we're okay at three and nine. We're okay at four mm-hmm. and nine. No, his expectation, you know, and we don't know what those metrics are, but if he's setting that bar high enough, then people are going to have to work towards it. That's where I think we can look at what Frost did for himself. He threw some life preservers out to Joseph and, and by God, he grabbed a hold of it and he got Whipple. And, you know, I'm going to look at it, the fact that, if Applewhite was the guy that he picked and there was a lot of other names out there, we've got to take that, that that's the best guy for Nebraska. So, you know, it's got the, the system, but that you're right though. Is that a lead? If that, you know, and I know last year at this, you know, what was it? Big 10 media days, Scott kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit talking about no slogans and things like that. But you know what, it, it, it worked back then, but if that's, if this, if the slogan, if the mantra, if whatever they want to put up says, is that elite? you're going to class is what you're doing. Is that elite for the team? You're, yeah. you're down, you're downtown on O street. Is that, is that an elite decision? Those sorts of things in the weight room, whatever it is. But if you're always working towards that and in, 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 in Trev Albert's eyes, that's where you need to get to. Then I think it can't not be successful. You know what that just was everything you just said, Richard, that was elite. That was it was, elite. that was elite. I was going to title this something, you know, along the lines of, hey, winning the offseason, whatever. I'm going to call it success doesn't have an expiration date. I think that's a perfect title for this for this episode because success doesn't have it. Right. And, uh, you know, stop talking about the 90s. That's 30 years uh, all today. Um, if you hadn't had a chance, Redcasters pick six previews, Brett, we've had him on the show a number of times. He did his, his annual blue bloods poll and it, you know, he goes through about the same 15 schools and it's, you know, the, the traditional blue bloods plus like Washington and Georgia and Clemson and all that. And he just asked the same question. He polls it. Well, right now with uh, over about 11,000 or 12,000 votes right now, Nebraska is 75%. The last I saw 75%. Yes. We're a blue blood 25%. No. And there's a ton of people that, will comment on that, that are national people that are like, oh, what are you talking about? They haven't won games in the last six, seven years. And every year it's like, you don't understand what a blue blood is. 
because, well, I thought a blue blood was they won a bunch of games the last few years. Yeah, you're an idiot. Uh, blue blood is exactly what, what it is. It's a, it's a traditional program. We're number eight all-time wins, right? It's all these different things. It's the fan base that continues to show up time and time again. All those things add up to being this blue blood program that Nebraska is, and success doesn't have an expiration date. And so the people that are like, well, yeah, but Nebraska, I remember Stuart Mandel. Yeah, Nebraska's in a small state, you know, low population. No shit, Sherlock. Like, that just happened. This is the first time. Back in the 90s, we had millions and millions and millions of people here. They've just migrated out over the last 20 years. That's the problem. No. In fact, guess what? In the last five years, if we want to talk about recency, in the last five years, Brett Siancia of Pick 6 also posted a thing where he had these are the, the top 15 programs under his game grader program, I think, that he had. And, and two of them are in the state on the other side of the Missouri River from us. Iowa was like number 14, and Iowa State was number 10. Okay, so, and I know that they have obviously all kinds of advantages that we don't have here, right? I mean, clearly, you know, the mountains and the, and the beaches and, and the millions and millions and millions of people that, uh, you know, call Des Moines home. No, they don't. Good football is good football. Bad football is bad football. We've played some good football in the last four years. We've played some bad football at times that have killed us. And Trev's ability to be elite here and not blow it up, but to say, look, Scott, we know what we need to fix. We know we're not far away. We need to fix certain things. Two sides of the ball really got fixed here, special teams and offense. We haven't even talked about the defense, right? We, you know, just today, $50,000 raise to a Shenander, and it could have been much bigger. He, he earned more, right? But that defensive staff sticking around and sticking in place um, I think, you know, they know what they got here right now and, and they know what they've started and what they've built. We're not far away, honestly, from being elite. I'm not saying a win-loss number, not saying 12 and 0, although of course we're going 12 and 0. That's who I am. Of course we are. But we can be elite. We can be elite this season at doing the right things. Casey Thompson was elite in that discussion he had with, with Callahan. And uh, that's a good starting point. Yeah. Speaking of Thompson too, I think my favorite quote about him too, um, when Sean Callahan asked him, you know, hey, you have an opportunity to play Oklahoma this year. <laughs> Last year with Texas, you came up just a little bit short. Do you think you can throw, what was it, five, six touchdowns again? And he said, well, I hope not. He said, because my personal record is seven. So I want to break that this year <laughs> and throw eight touchdowns. So if I could throw eight touchdowns against Oklahoma, that would be great. I'm run the damn ball guy, but if you can you throw know what, eight you, touchdowns in a game, if you can if you can throw eight touchdowns in a game, you know what that is? That's elite. Boom, right? Mic drop. Something that wasn't elite that was mentioned, and you brought it up before Monday's uh, sharp and bending in the morning, and they were talking about the changes to recruiting. Is the verbiage that the coaches were giving to the players, the way they were talking to them, but also who was out once that dead period was lifted. The, the guys that, you know, Coach Joseph going to high schools in Lincoln, Chenander going to high schools in Lincoln, and, and, and what they talked about is, you know, Gary Sharp and Benning saying that these guys are a priority for us. It's not because they're within 500, 500 miles. It's not that. It's we want these guys on because they're good players mm-hmm. and they're going to make our team better. It's not, hey, why don't you come help us get over the hump? Why don't you come help us fix this? No, we're going to do – what we have to do. And part of that is, is bringing you in. And so again, it all just goes into that, that idea that if, if the recruiting works towards and can hit that elite level, mm-hmm. if the play on the field, well, 
getting ahead of myself, but if the training, if the eating, if the sleeping, if the weightlifting, if everything else fits where it's elite, then we're going to start to see that product on the field just go to where we all know it could be and honestly where, where it should be as, mm-hmm. as the blue blood. Yeah, you're not selling these kids just because they're Nebraska kids. You shouldn't be selling them on 1995 stuff. That's for you and I and Rob. Well, not Rob. He, didn't, he wasn't around that time for us. But guys our age, these Nebraska guys, it's for us to sit there and talk about 95. But those kids don't care about that right now. And the reason you go after those kids right now is because they're good players. End of story. You go after Omaha and Nebraska and Lincoln and, and my hometown of Columbus. There's two kids in Columbus this year going to power five schools. In fact, the SCOTUS kid is going down to Kansas state with Houseman now being in Lincoln. And the point is you go after Nebraska kids, just like you go after any other kids in any other state. If they're good players, you go and you get them. And uh, I, I just love that. And I love them throwing Joseph right into it. And it just feels like we're getting some things right that, Frost, I know, has wanted to do from day one here. I think he's made a lot of corrections. And he's fixed a lot of things that needed to be fixed. But just somewhere along the way, there's certain things that just wasn't right. And I can't explain it all. But Trev coming in and observing and watching and having that experience of what Nebraska was like when it was elite and being able to just let Scott fix the problems. We weren't that far away. You got to fix the issues. They were real issues that needed to be fixed. And I just feel like, you know, we were on that path, you know, and, and speaking of Trev and speaking of elite, you know, one of the things that we see coming out of this program and, and just keeping, you know, when the fans interested too, you know, he sent out that survey about Memorial stadium and some of the things that, uh, what kind of improvements you like to see. I filled it out. Um, you know, I, I made a joke, uh, on, on, on Twitter, I think was that, you know, I, I filled out and said I wanted a special section for the Red Cast. Uh, you know, where we can invite all of our listeners to come and sit with us. Our tickets for us and our families would be free, and they would serve alcohol. Well, okay, I didn't really say that, but you know, one of the things that I did that I did try to point out was one, you know, alcohol sales. As as everyone knows, right? I I don't I don't drink. Um, it's been almost a year for me and all that, but I still think alcohol sales at the stadium is, is a great idea. It brings in additional revenue. Plus who knows one of these days we're going to get to storm the field again. It'll, and if I might even have myself a couple of beers at the game, if, if that's the case, um, you know, but other things about like the seating options, the improvements to the stadium, different things that could be done. You know, that's the kind of involvement that we haven't seen over the last few years that they're getting from the fans. Right. Honky. I know you filled it out. Um, I know you had made some suggestions. You see the reaction going around, a lot of people making jokes about it, you know, obviously on social media and Twitter, but um, it still shows kind of the direction that this program and that Trev is taking this program in that he knows there was something missing. He was brought in. He's been there. He's had his boots on the ground in Nebraska when there was success on the field. And so when I see these sort of changes being made, it really makes me feel like somebody cares to get back to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how else to emphasize that. Yeah, you got you have to have people care. I'll tell you what what I tweeted out from the Redcast account. And Richard, as you hear these, uh, this is what my response to the Memorial Stadium survey was. Tell me if you agree, disagree. Tell me if you want to add things to this. But uh, I, I said to sum it up, basically four things. Number one, rebuild South Stadium in some capacity, whether it's a, a full teardown and build up. 
But in the process of doing that, connect the concourse. We have to have a concourse go around the stadium. Escalators up and down. I mean, the 600 level on the east side is a great place to sit. It's easy to get up. You have your own concourse up there, bathrooms, all that stuff. This is how modern stadiums are, right? Put a second jumbotron up on top. Uh, have two jumbotrons in the stadium, one on the north side, one on the south side. That pretty much covers the entire stadium with a big old TV. And in the process, if you did, let's say, a, a triple deck kind of south stadium, do something with the student section. Move them down. Give them an entire section that's right off the end zone and, and 30 rows up. Have the entire thing to them. And then behind them is a concourse instead of us old gray hairs that would yell at kids for standing, right? Let the students be students and above them have a whole two or three different decks of, of suites and all that. I'm all for that. Bring Herbie back. Uh, the old Herbie, right? That's, that was a big thing. Um, turn West stadium into a NU hall of fame as they build this North stadium stuff, all the, the cafeteria, the life skills, all the stuff that's in West stadium right now needs to go up on the North or it is going to go into the North side facility. That opens up that entire West, that first floor of the West side, as you walk in off the street, turn that into a hall of fame. You guys, anyone, any Redcaster knows when I go on trips, I go to football stadiums all across the country. Last year, we were up in uh, Montana. I, I got to see where our punter and Torrey and those guys played. I, I was up there, but then we also went to Boise. And it's one of my favorite stadiums I've ever been to now. Not because it has blue turf, but as I was walking around, they have a Hall of Fame where I try to sneak into stadiums if I can, if it, just to get photos. They had a guy open the door and welcome me in, some volunteer. And he's like, here, look. And, and they had this whole museum in there. And then they walked us out to the field. And that's what we need to have. You want to be a blue blood of football, Nebraska, whether we're winning that season or not, people care about this program. We have the greatest fan base in the country, and they want it. They'll come here in June. They'll come here in April. They'll come in in March. Give them a place to go and see all the, the history. And then the last thing I, that I wrote was sell booze. And I think that, and I had a screenshot of our of taking the survey where the, they had the booze question. Sell booze, but I also think you can do it with some maybe some designated alcohol free areas, or maybe it's designated alcohol drinking areas. I don't know. I know that can be a you know, that, that can be a controversial thing, but I just, you know, at this point, you know, one guy responded on Facebook to us that, you know, this isn't Boulder. We can't, we can't have alcohol in there. And I'm like, dude, this isn't about Boulder anymore. I mean, that's a 1990s argument today, 10, 12, whatever of the, the big 10 schools sell it right now. We're just one of them. That's one of the few that, that aren't. And it's not like the alcohol is not being sold outside the stadium and all that stuff. I mean, you know, people are showing up drunk. I think, I think booze can actually help curtail some of the, what people do in tailgating if they don't feel like they have to chug their last three beers before the game starts. That last point, I, I know for a fact I would leave at halftime and come back. Mm -hmm. So the amount that you're trying to consume walking somewhere and walking back is not safe. It's mm -hmm. not healthy. You know, now I can reflect back on that and say that's the case. But so, you know, you, you can monitor, you can moderate things, you can control it in that environment. And plus, it's, it's, a, it's a fact. It's a moneymaker. It's a yep. way to, you know, and we're obviously we're working at a deficit right now. And it's not going to happen overnight. But that is something that can that can help generate that that revenue that your West Stadium Hall of Fame type of thing. Um, I don't know if you remember when when the basketball teams were playing at Devaney and I, it wasn't everywhere, but in the concourse, they had trophy cases. They had Hoppins picture. They had 
you know, those guys and, you know, big eight stuff and memorabilia and, and those mm-hmm. things. And so as a, as a kid going to those games and then growing up and then, you know, as you get older and now things change and everything is, well, I can look at a picture on my phone, but you can still now go and now you've got those memories. And so you've got some kids with their dads and their families looking at that, but not every person can go into North stadium and get in and see the trophies that are there now and stuff like that. But if they made it accessible, I think that's Mm -hmm. a, a fantastic idea because it goes back to what you were talking about being elite. This is what elite looks like a Remington trophy winner, you know, all Americans. And they've got, they've got that all around the board with the academic all Americans, the, the football all Americans and and things like that. And the sellout streak, just expand that, get it down to the, to the Mm -hmm. personal eye level, you know, whether it's, it's images, I mean, but now just take it and do it in a digital fashion. I mean, Mm -hmm. touch screens and, you know, interactive type stuff. I, I, I think that's, I think that's ingenious. Yeah, well, you know, and they tried to kind of do that a little bit on the north side when they built that back in 2005. You know, you can walk in there and there's some things, but it's just, it's at the end of the day, it's sloppy because it's all built into the weight rooms right there and the coaches' offices are right there. And not that I don't love bumping into a player or coach, but it's not necessarily the best way of doing it. Well, now they're going to build a north facility that is nothing but training and offices and making players. It's all about performance, right? Well, now you'd have a West side where it can be all about the fans, give them that space. And I I think that is important. So let me, let me ask you this then when I, when I, and I can't think of the name of the stadium, but what, when, when I tell you Clemson stadium, what's the first thing you think of? Well, I think of them running down the hill, going into the, running down the hill. Sure. LS, LSU. What do you think about? Um, well, I, I went to LSU. <laughs> I walked down in the field. I think of the the tiger that's across the street in the zoo that they have right there is the first thing so, I think of. So there's something there's sure. something that's there in the swamp at Florida and Virginia Tech. And I know we've got our tunnel walk. So it's 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 I kind of almost talked myself out of this, but with our tunnel walk. But what else what else is there? So when people are milling around the stadium and mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen it, we've all seen just what that massive humanity looks like outside of the stadium pregame and, and, and the tailgating. And you guys were talking about going to a tailgate at another school and you didn't have that vibe. You didn't have the, the feel of a big college atmosphere, but if you had places for people to go and whether you're walking through it to get to your area and you could all, like you said, connect in places. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it just the outside of the stadium, the facade, everything else still is Nebraska, but we've got to get it to, 2022 seating and what people are, because we all know it. I can sit, I mean, you, you know, the nice leather recliners and cup holders that you've got, you know, why wouldn't you want to watch a game in that environment with your own drinks and things like that? Or can I go and feel it? Can I get the chills when the tunnel walk, can I get that, you know, whatever they decide to do after the third quarter, you've still got to find a way to get people. That's a, that's a great, I'll tell you what, we've all heard it, right. You know, we all have these great man caves and we all do. When I went to that Northwestern game last year, and it's a night game, and there's 90,000 people there, and we're, and we're kicking some butt, thunderstruck's going after the, the third quarter, and that feeling of being in the stadium, oh, boy. The best man cave in the world can't replicate that. And, uh, and I think that is important. You know, we, I took a bus trip with a bunch of guys in 2013 when we went to Michigan. We beat Michigan in the big house. But we stopped on Friday at Notre Dame along the way and Notre Dame wasn't playing a game that weekend. So at home at least, so they had tours of the facility 
and you walk into the basketball arena, which is right next door to it. You pay your $10. They actually charge you 10 bucks, whatever nominal fee. They had some volunteer or somebody that would walk you around the stadium. You got to go into the locker room. You got to touch the play like a champion sign as you walk down. I mean, I hate, by the way, I hate Notre Dame. And I, I get chills even thinking about that. I'm also a big Rudy fan. So maybe I'm a closet Notre Dame fan. I don't know. But we were also up in the, they took us into the press box, the, which is now their old press box because I think they've torn it down and rebuilt. But we're in this one room and it was the four horsemen room. And of course, all of us were wearing red. And the guy's like, well, I guess since you guys are in this room, I, I usually don't ask this question on the on the tour, but what's the only team to have a winning record against the four horsemen? I mean, I'm like, ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me, pick me, because uh, <laughs> Nebraska went two and one against them. So take that, Irish. But no, I, I 100% agree. And I, th- I remember the thing actually at the Vandy Center you're talking about. It was Husker Chronicles they had on one of the walls. And I remember that because I ran a website, huskerchronicles.com, back in 2000, right at the, the beginning of all the, the web stuff. That was kind of fun. But um, I love the idea of modernizing the stadium, bringing it into 2022, right? And at the same token of doing all those things, the reason I want the two big screens on the north and the south is I want to take the four off the corners. I want to expose the original corners of Memorial Stadium. They have so much history. The windows putty them up, clean them up, paint them up, and bring the history of the stadium back at the same time that you are modernizing everything else. And it should be fair to say, too, that you know to do that, you need to make sure that everybody has good view. So if you did that, everyone has to have solid sight lines of, of a screen. And in my mind, that would do it. But we did get a response from some people on, I think it was Twitter or Facebook, I can't remember. But somebody's like, well, we're, we're uh, obstructed. We're underneath one of the balconies. We can't see. We need those corner ones. So I'm like, well, if that's the case, then you need better TVs underneath it. Uh, when we went to Illinois, Rob, we were underneath, I think, on their west side. We were underneath their balcony for a while. And they had like a almost like a big screen, jumbo big screen underneath it. So there's all yeah, kinds of ways like to do it. Point 72 inch screens or something. No, well, I mean, they, they, it was there was one that was even bigger than that. But the point is, the stadium, it's amazing right now. Everything's amazing right now. Even the facilities, the practice stuff they have, is it's not bad now, but we aren't about being just good. We're about being elite. Let's have the elite best practice facility. Let's have the elite best fan experience. Let's have the elite best viewing television experience in the stadium the best you know elite elite bathrooms better than cow troughs or whatever the heck we've been having right or maybe, i love cow troughs. i know some actually there's <laughs> been there's some affinity that some people on social media have had for the troughs i don't know i don't get it I, my best memory of the trough was i was probably like 10 years old my dad was taking me to a game south stadium and i'm standing right next to somebody at the p trough this old guy and he's you know listening with these gigantic headphones on listen to kent pavelka and he's looking down all of a sudden they just fell off his head and they fell into the uh into the p-trough and he just yanked out his wire and said a couple of cuss words and he was he was not happy those uh those were gone his uh his headphones there but well the old oakland coliseum it's actually still to this day when i go back to watch a's games they have the old troughs as well there right and yeah and other teams like to make fun of us and say that we sit on them the wrong way like when we're (laughs) in there and all these other funny things but they're efficient i will give them that these updates to the stadium and i know with i didn't fill out a survey but you know and i'm only gauging a, a small percentage of reaction but I got the feel that a lot of the questions were almost geared towards the uh, higher echelon of provider, you know, Mm -hmm. contributor of season ticket holders, you know, you know, donations and and things like that. But 
I mean, I, I mentioned it going to Devaney as a kid. You just said, you know, you, I mean, your memory is what was of a bathroom, but that's, that's a personal choice, <laughs> but you were 10, but you're, you're going to the games, right? You're going there. Sure. That's a, that's a memory. There, there has to be a way that we still have to connect these 10 and 11, 12, 13 year old kids. Oh, they're all not going to become football players at Lincoln. So you got to, you know, remember winning, but they're going to have families. They're going to want to mm-hmm. go. They're going to, the pride in that is so big, but it, it's got to be, it's got to be for the fans. And, and we all know that visitors like to come in and what they say about it, the atmosphere and things like that, that is fantastic. Why not make it better? I would mm-hmm. love to go to Notre Dame and see that stadium. People go to Duke just to go to the Cameron indoor stadium. I mean, they just yep. want to go sit in there. And if you're high enough, you're not seeing much. I mean, it, it's a, it's a tough, but you're there. And it's, that's what Nebraska needs to be. It's like, I went to a game at Memorial stadium. I, you know, things like that. And I, if they just continue to make it better, it's a win-win. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're getting ready to, to wrap this up. I think all of these points you guys are making are excellent. Um, but one thing I want to do, since uh, Richard, you, you're our guest on here tonight and you won a contest to be here. Um, if you could ask us one question, you can do it individually. Um, you know, I was hoping the other Redcasters could be here, but for various reasons, they couldn't. So if you want to ask Honky and myself each one question, any question you want, doesn't have to be about Redcast football or, or Husker football or the Redcast, any question, you know, what would it be? All right. I'll, uh, I'll go with Honky first, um, just because you're talking about going to Notre Dame and, and things like that. Who is the coach you would like to sit down and whether it's do a podcast like this or, you know, just have a have a beer with dead or alive, you know, just go through the I mean, heck, the transfer portal is a big thing. So just jump <laughs> into that and go back in time. But um, who would you who would you like to sit down and have a beer with and just talk football? Well, Boomer and I, one of the favorite coaches that we ever had sat down had beer with was Milt Tenniper. Oh, and okay. uh, I mean, rest in peace, Milt. We, we absolutely love the guy. Um, but speaking of someone that's alive and, and someone that we've talked a little bit about Oklahoma today, Barry Switzer, I think would just be amazing. And if I was going to have a beer with him, I'd want to go up to the second floor of, of Misty's down the Havelock. And I think they had like the Switzer room up there. It would be, it'd be really cool to, to probably have some Taco Bell tacos with them and a couple of, of uh, beers and uh, just listen to him talk and have me shut up for once. All right. You got a question for me? I, I do. Um, it's, it's three parts. Okay. <laughs> So what is your favorite comic actually like issue and that getting particular, what is your favorite band and why do they continue to just make the same Marvel movies over and over and over? Wow. That's a, those are three really good questions. Okay. (laughs) Well, so, so um, a little bit of history on me and for Redcasters that may or may not know um, I've been collecting comic books since the mid eighties. The very first um, book and still my favorite comic books that I've read um, number, I Punisher number one in in the uh, limited series. It was a, it was like a supposed to be one through three, but it ended up being one through four because the third book was so big that um, they had to print it into two books. Um, that was my big introduction into, into comics, that and Transformers, number one. I bought actually both of those the same exact day. Um, and still to this day, I'm a big Punisher fan. Um, uh, but my favorite Marvel character at this time right now is, is Venom. 
Um, I've been reading, uh, I got hooked with the Lethal Protector series. Um, he was back in like the original like symbiote to Spider-Man connection back in the day. Um, and recently um, I had a entire tattoo of Venom placed on my arm that I am now showing you on. Um, and it's big. It takes That's a nice, much nice visual, screen. Rob. Yep. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, and if any Husker fan, if, if I'm at the spring game this year or, or at any game, if you ever want to see it, I'd be more than happy to show it to you. Plus, I have a sleeveless Husker shirt. So, you know, um, plus, as Honky likes to make fun of me, I work out. Um, the uh, second question. What was that second question? Your was, band. favorite. Oh, band. The, my, my favorite band of all time. Um, that's a tough one for me because really that, that goes week to week based on my mood. Um, music has always been a really big part of my life. I grew up playing piano. Um, I started playing drums when I went to college. I was in a couple of uh, touring bands nobody's ever heard of, but um, some of the best times of my life were spent. Oh, I've in, heard all about them. Yeah, I, I spent a 1976 uh, Dodge Custom that we basically hollowed out and rebuilt for for touring around. Um, we, you could say, I've toured internationally. I've, I played in about five different cities in Canada and then all throughout like uh, the West. And I never made it past Colorado when I well, was. Rob, do you have a favorite Nebraska-based band? Um, and it's funny that you say that. So my wife and I are big 311 fans. Um, I saw 311 back in 94, 95, uh, with no doubt at the um, Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Um, my favorite all-time band really would actually be Iron Maiden. Um, that's I'm, I'm a big like 80s hair band rock guy. I love it. Um, but you know what? I can still sit and listen to all pop music most pop music today is not so much but like the old 80s pop music um i'm really into no effects i like rancid is probably my favorite punk rock band um they're a local bay area i was listening to them back when they were op ivy um like an old ska band in the late 80s so and then why does marvel keep making the same movie over and over again um that just goes back to um You've apparently never read comic books because um, <laughs> it's, it's basically it's, the same story all every time. time. Um, for me, it's it's great because lately Marvel has been doing a great job of following um, a lot of the canon, like Marvel canon, as we'll call it, and, and storylines. And so for me, it's fun to watch because while everybody's speculating all this stuff online about different stories, I'm like, I just read that book like three months ago. Um Currently, my favorite comic, which you didn't ask, um, and, and a book that I'm really, really enjoying right now, is called Something's Killing the Children. Um, and that, that'll probably become a TV show. I believe it's in, in uh, pre-production right now, but it, it's a really good, it's kind of like monsters only kids can see kind of, kind of you know, horror so, sort of book, but it, it's a lot so, of fun. So. so like a lot like Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or chucky something like that child's play yeah something along those lines so um hopefully i was able to answer your questions for you and 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 that wraps up our show uh hunky do you have a uh, parting take for us tonight <laughs> parting shot yeah parting um, shot parting take yeah yeah well first off i want to thank richard for joining us uh it was great having you on and uh you know, I, I like this. You know, if, if someone wins a contest, one of our Redcast contests, maybe we'll do one for March Madness. Then the uh, the first place winner should be able to to join us. And this worked out perfect tonight because Dave's in Mexico and 
and Boomer was painting a wall and he couldn't get away from doing that. So we needed a third. So thank you uh, again, Richard, for joining us. You know, we are primarily a football show, but we also talk about some of the other sports and one of them, volleyball. Uh, if the NCAA approves it, All-American middle blocker Kayla Caffey uh, has told John Cook that she's going to play in the fall of 2022. So, again, we've talked about this in the past. We are the Alabama of volleyball, my goodness, to bring in top classes and to be able to manage that with having All-Americans uh, coming back like Caffey and Nicklin Hames coming back too. I mean, just amazing what John Cook has created there. On to baseball. Uh, there's a schedule change for Husker baseball. Instead of hosting San Diego State the first weekend of March, uh, Nebraska is going to head to Arlington, Texas instead. The Aztecs decided they'd rather play in Arizona instead of Lincoln in early March. Also, uh, we are not in the top 25 of D1 baseball's preseason rankings, nor is any other Big Ten team. A couple of the early Husker opponents, though, are number 17, TCU, number 24, Long Beach State. So, And perfect game poll previously had Nebraska at 22. So, uh, you know, baseball's just around the corner. We're about 30 days out from the, uh, the them going back to practice, at least. And last but not least, uh, and I posted this on Friday. Uh, I gave blood for the first time in years. And uh, if you can, Redcasters, if you're so willing, I uh, really highly recommend that we give blood right now because there's a, a definite need. And it had been 17 years for me. And uh, I had it built up in my head to be something a lot more than it was. I can't tell you how fast and easy it was to do. And it took about 10 minutes and, and I was done and, and uh, that's life-saving blood and there's people that need it right now. So if you can, if you're so willing, uh, that's, that would be my, my recommendation of the week, Redcasters. All right. I think that'll about do it. Um, Although I do have one uh, parting, parting shot, but it's not really a parting shot. It's more of a heartfelt thank you to Redcast Nation because last week I tweeted out and we had talked on, on the Redcast that uh, one of my buddies just suddenly passed, leaving behind his wife and two children. Um, and I tweeted it out and I tweeted out with the Venmo account. And quite frankly, I didn't expect anything. Um, I was speaking to her a couple nights ago and told her I did that. And she said, well, that explains a lot because she said that she didn't, she didn't get hundreds of dollars. She got thousands of dollars sent to her Venmo account from people that she doesn't know, never heard of, had no idea what was, she, she was so confused because most of the donations that were coming through to her to help her family were from people that she knew. And then all of a sudden, some one day last week, thousands of dollars wow. started coming in. So Redcast Nation, you guys showed up in, in, in droves. I, and I'm speechless. It's hard to do. Um, mm. Actually, kind of getting a little bit choked up thinking about it right now. Well, but, thank um, yeah, thank you, Redcast thank you, Nation. Thank you, That's everyone. amazing. And thank you, yeah. uh, Richard, for joining us. Yes, thank, and thank you for uh, for having me on. It was a, it was a lot of fun to see the you know little bit of a behind the curtain, but you know getting a chance to chat with you guys and 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 just share my passion, just same as yours. And that just goes for that. Our you know I say it's a little group of of those of us on Twitter that, uh, you know, constantly interacting, but just the, the passion, the positivity, there, there is nothing wrong with it. People can say we're, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and, you know, we're joke about being off season champs, but it's a lot more fun. It's a lot easier. It's a lot healthier just straight away, just to be positive and to have the ideas that why wouldn't we want to be successful? And I'm going to keep doing that. And, you know, I just, so shout out to everybody that we interact with and who, who comments and, you know, there's, there's Iowa guys, there's Illinois guys that we all, we go through this with, and it's just a lot of fun and it makes, mm-hmm. it makes for a, a distraction from whatever we have to do every day. So, but thank you again for, for doing this. I, I assume that 
I'll just kind of fill in my monthly slot here. And so everyone will be hearing from me uh, on a regular basis. So uh, th- this will be fun. I appreciate it. All right. Well, with that, I'll say that uh, we'll be wrapping up. And that's another Go Big Redcast. GBR. Huda Media Production.